Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, Genesis 34. We'll get ready to start here as we really handle a pretty difficult chapter, um, all things considered. But uh, the Lord gives us uh, instruction through it. Let's pray as we look to the Lord. Father, we do look to you now. We look to you for Lord, understanding and wisdom, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Help us, Lord, as we study to fear you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis 34, it's going to start here, verse 13. And the sons of uh, Jacob, they answered Shechem and uh, Hamor, his father, deceitfully, and said, because he defiled Dinah, their sister, and they said unto them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that's uncircumcised, for that were reproach unto us. But in this will we consent unto you, if you will be as we be, that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters unto you, we will take your daughters unto us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you'll not hearken unto us to be circumcised, then we'll take our daughter, we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son, and the young man deferred not to do the thing, because he had delight in Jacob's daughter, and he was more honorable than all the house of his father. And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came unto the gate of their city and communed with the men of their city, saying, These men are peaceable with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade therein. For the land, behold, is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us for wives. Uh, let us give them our daughters, for only therein will the men consent unto us to dwell with us, to be one people, if every male among us uh, be circumcised as they are circumcised. Shall not their cattle, their substance, every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them, and they will dwell with us. And unto Hamer and unto Shechem his son hearkened all that went out of the gate of the city. Every male was circumcised, every male, uh, all that went out of the gate of a city. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly, slew all the males. They slew Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain, spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. For they took their sheep, their oxen, their asses, and that which was in the city and that which was in the field, and all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took they captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you've troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and I being few in number. They shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed in my house. And they said, should he deal with our sister as with a harlot? All right, now, we are in the middle of a very dark chapter in the book of Genesis, and we can learn a lot from this chapter if we let the Lord take us through this chapter and teach us. But the worst thing we can do through this chapter is to get on someone's side. The worst thing we can do is to get on the sides of the sons of Jacob and say, yeah, I'm with them, kill them. 
hang on. I know what it's like to be raped. I know what it's like to have a family member that's raped. And I'm so angry. I'm right with those sons as they sharpen their swords for the slaughter. That'd be wrong. The worst thing we can do is to get on the side of the Hivites who murdered them and say, yeah, just look at those Jews killing all those innocent people. I feel like the Hivites. I feel like Palestinians today. Yeah, look at what happens when Jewish people get a sword. They murder the innocents. That'd be wrong. The worst thing we can do is get on anyone's side. We don't want to be on anyone's side. We want to be on God's side. We want to be on God's side in this chapter, and that's the right side to stay on, and let God be God, and allow this chapter to sadden us, allow this chapter to teach us, and so that we can see and learn. This is a chapter that we can go through, and we have been going through verse by verse, but we got to also step back and look at this chapter as a whole to get the big picture. So we're going to be referring back to previous verses to see the reasons why this happened. And as we study this chapter, we're going to be going verse by verse. We have gone verse by verse. We'll continue. But then we're going to go back and try to get the why and extract out of here what happened. So where are we right now? Well, okay. 13-year-old Dinah had a dangerous curiosity in verse 1, leave the house, see the Hivite daughters. When Dinah did this, Dinah was seen by a man named Shechem in verse 2 who took her and lay with her. So Dinah got defiled and taken into Shechem's house. Shechem falls hopelessly in love with Dinah in verse 4, pleads with his father to make the wrong right and get Dinah's father to give Dinah to Shechem in marriage. Jacob hears this very disturbing news that Dinah's been defiled in verse 5. Shechem's father, he tries in verse 6 to persuade Jacob to give Dinah to Shechem in marriage. Dinah's brothers hear about what happened in verse 7, and they become uncontrollably angry. And Shechem's father and Shechem, they try in verses 8 through 12 to persuade the family to give Dinah in marriage to Shechem. In verses 13 to 17, because of their sinful anger, and that's going to be a continuing phrase we're going to use here, so keep it in mind, uncontrolled, sinful anger, the brothers see a way through deceit to use the sacred sign of circumcision to take a fanatical revenge. So in verse 13, they explain all this deceit. In verse 17, they take the sacred sign of circumcision and misuse it to explain why Dinah cannot be given to Shechem. In verses 15 through 16, they make their all men must be circumcised proposal, explaining that all the men should have to be circumcised And then Dinah would be given to, they make the promise Dinah would be given to the people and they would become one people. In verse 17, they threaten that if their all men must be circumcised proposal is not accepted, they're leaving. So sons of Jacob have made their proposal to Hamer and Shechem. And that brings us to the response now of the take it or leave it to the all men must be circumcised proposal, which is now in verse 18. And that's where we are. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So in verse 18, Shechem and Hamor, they're just thrilled. They're thrilled with the all men must be circumcised proposal in order to get Dinah. Well, I don't know if they're thrilled with the proposal. They're thrilled that they can get Dinah. So when it says their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, literally in the Hebrew, it says it was beautiful in their eyes, like a flood in their eyes. It was beautiful in their eyes. In other words, Hamar and Shechem, they trusted the words of Jacob's sons. They believed that they were telling them the truth. They had no idea that they were being lied to and set up for a slaughter. 
Then we read what happened next in verse 19. The young man deferred not to do the thing because he had delight in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the house of his father. So when it says in verse 19, the young man deferred not to do the thing, the thing that this talking about here is the circumcision. And so it was so dramatic in verse 19 how Shechem just jumped in and with the words deferred not to do the thing. I don't know what happened here, but the words deferred not to me seems to indicate that Shechem didn't think twice. He loved Dinah so much that, you know, they might as well say, cut your right arm off for her. He said, okay. But as soon as he heard that, he, you know, at least he believed that Shechem sat there and says, no problem. Anyone got a knife? <laughs> I'll be first. You know, the speed with which Shechem deferred not to do the thing, uh, circumcision, was such a strong message to the men of the city that he was convincing And also, Shechem was considered to be the most respected person in his family. That's what it means when I said he was more honorable in his family. This is what it means. That's what it means. He was more honorable than all the house of his father. So it appears that Shechem loved Dinah so much that he just held his breath, endured the operation, and went out into the gate of the city and said, it wasn't so bad, boys. Just look at me. I just got, I went through it. I'm fine. So the explanation in verse 19, because he had delight in Dinah's daughter, is very strong. Now, you know, when there is a horrible thing that happens, and this is a horrible thing, what happened here in this chapter. When there's a horrible thing that happens, we really don't want to know the details. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, we just would prefer, you know, some kind of summary statement, you know, but we don't want to hear the last words of dying people. I mean, we don't want to be brought up close. You know, we watch the news, you know, at night, and we just, we prefer to hear there was a homicide in La Mesa, okay? And it involved a family dispute. We kind of, we can handle that. We're distant. But for us to hear the conversation that went on before this murder took place, you know, to have the characters who were involved in this whole horrible tragedy, to have these characters develop for us, that's too disturbing. That's very disturbing. You know, a terrible homicide is about to happen here in chapter 34. And God wants us to be brought in on some disturbing details in verses 20 and 23. It'd be easier for us to just read, and the Hivites were killed. Okay, you know, we can handle that. But not to have the murdered characters developed for us. And that's disturbing. And God says, no. God says, no. I want you to get up close on this one. I want you to have these characters and these persons really well developed in your mind that are about to be murdered because you need to see these are not just numbers. These are people. These are persons. These are friends. These were collaborators. These were people who had hopes and loves and aspirations. These were husbands. These were fathers. These were sons. These were uncles. These were nephews. These were granddads. These are the people who were deceived and tricked and murdered. And for us, we would just prefer to kind of get a distance from it. We don't want to hear any conversations. But God says, no. Verses 20 and 23, you've got to listen. Because it's got to hurt us. And that's what God wants. So God says, no, you got to see these Hivites and hear their words before they were murdered. Okay, so here we go. So verse 20, Amor and Shechem, his son, came unto the gate of the city, communed with the men of their city, saying, so what does that mean? It means that they position themselves, Hamor and Shechem, position themselves in the gate 
That's a central meeting place for the city. I mean, it's very typical in Middle Eastern fashion. I should know I live in El Cajon, right? Because <laughs> Middle Eastern fashion is like, see, this in Ethiopia. You know, oh, you want to talk? Let's sit down. Let's have tea together. Let's talk face to face. Let's talk to eye to eye. You don't just jump in and get to a point. There's a real process that goes on here. Well, this is the way the men of the city did this. I mean, I was like, oh, let's sit down. We're in the gate of the city. Let me see the sincerity on your face. That's a big thing in the Middle East. Let me see the sincerity on the faces of Hamer and Shechem as they spoke with the members of their community. See, and then it says there in verse 21, and these men, these are the words. They say, these men are peaceable with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land, trade therein. Look, the land, behold, is large enough for them. Let's take their daughters. See, they're beautiful daughters. Take their daughters for wives and give them our daughters. Our daughters are not so beautiful. No, I don't. But <laughs> now, you know, these are pretty hard words to read, especially in 21. These men are peaceable with us. They believe that. I mean, I remember how this is all done face to face. I remember how I had a Middle Eastern customer and there was a promise that I was making to him in business. And I was calling him on the phone, you know, and he says, no, no, no. He says, I don't want you to call him. For you need to come and talk to me in person. So, you know, I got on a plane, and I sat down with them, and he told me, now look me in the eye, you know, <laughs> look me in the eye. And then he went like this, you know, pull his eye, I don't know why I did that, but, you know, it's like so he can see more of my eye, I don't know. Anyway, and then he said, now you tell me the promise, see? That's the Middle Eastern way. When we see this happening here, I talk, and we can hear the men of the city saying to Hamor and Shechem, you know, we don't know these people. We don't know these people of Jacob, but you do, and we know you. And we trust you. So you look us in the eye and you tell us about them. And verse 20 is the answer of Hamor and Shechem when they look him in the eye and they say, we know them, we trust them, you can trust them. When we say unto you, these men are peaceable with us. Hamor and Shechem believed the sons of Jacob. And then they were telling the community, we're telling you they are peaceable men. And they asked the men to let it be joined together with the marriages and commerce with the people of Jacob. So in verse 22, they then present their all men must be circumcised proposal with the words in verse 22, every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Now, to these men, that's a pretty tall order. You know, circumcision is pretty dramatic. I mean, you don't do that every day, you know. It's not like putting money in the parking meter. You know, it's like, you know, and I'm sure that some of those men, you know, said, what? You know, what are you talking about? What did you just say? You are talking about something pretty personal here. Are you out of your mind? You know, and verse 23 is a marathon persuasion, getting the men to look at, okay, you know, don't think about that. Look at the cattle, look at the wealth, you know, notice in verse 23, how they appeal to the greed. They said, their cattle, their substance, every beast of theirs shall be ours, be ours. So the men of the city, they all understood that Shechem had a dog in this fight. <laughs> he was in love with Dinah, okay? But the men in the city were not in love with Dinah, okay? So, you know, their natural response was, well, what's in it for us? I mean, you know, we know that Shechem's fallen in love with Dinah, and he's undergone circumcision for her, but we're not getting Dinah, and circumcision's a pretty painful proposition here for us, just so that you know, Shechem can marry this 13-year-old girl. I mean, we like Shechem, but us being circumcised, that's a pretty costly wedding present. So Hamer and Shechem, 
they really drove on the fact that everything that Jacob has will be yours. And so Hamor and Shechem were successful. That's amazing. In verse 24, it says, Unto Hamor and Shechem and the son hearkened all that went out of the gate of the city. Now watch these words. Hearkened all that went out of the gate of the city? What does it say? His city. And every male was circumcised of the gate of his city. His city. His city. It's a very important word there. Now, first of all, there's a very important word, which is the word hearkened. Hearkened. That's the Hebrew word, very important word for us, shema. That's a very special word, Shema, because that's the word that God uses to call Israel in Deuteronomy 6.4. It's called the Shema. And when God says, hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, and then it says Jehovah, anyway. So God is calling Israel to hear, to listen, and he uses the word Shema. So, but what does Shema mean? Shema just doesn't mean to, you know, understand or get the knowledge of. There's an implication with Shema. It means to listen, to obey because of trust. Shema means to listen, to apply what you hear because of trust. Shema means to listen, to jump in, to act because of trust. Shema really expresses this kind of readiness to act as soon as I hear because of trust. That's why Shema's our word. Shema's a Christian's word. Because for believers, when we read the Bible, we open the Bible and we say Shema. I, you know, which is meaning to say, I want to know so I can incorporate into my life because I trust. I trust God. You know, when we open the Bible, we say, Shema, because I'm so full of readiness to obey because I trust God. Shema means much more than just hear. I mean, that's how it's translated in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel. But Shema means a readiness. And the readiness is really the closest word that we have in the New Testament to Shema, which is in Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. That's it. All readiness of mind, that's Shema. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 11, where it says, now therefore perform the thing of doing it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which you have. That's it. Readiness to will, that's Shema. So Shema has incorporated into its meaning this concept of, of course, hearing, but hearing with a readiness to act based on a trust. So in verse 24, they had convinced the men of the city to the point that they, Shema, heard Hamor and Shechem. They were ready to be circumcised because they trusted Hamor and Shechem. But then, as we pointed out here in verse 24, twice the phrase is, all that went out of the gate of his city. See? Unto, verse 24, unto Hamor and Shechem, his son hearkened all that went out of the gate of his city. Every meal was circumcised, all that went out of the gate of his city. See the gate of his city. It's like Hamor and Shechem are right there at the gate of the city and saying to every man going through the gate of the city, you like my city? <laughs> you like my city? Do you like my city? You see the man over there with the knife? He's waiting for you. You're next. Right? <laughs> won't take a minute, won't hurt at all, not that bad. So as verse 24 says, every male was circumcised. Now, there was a particular timing of what this slaughter took place in verse 25. It says here, it came to pass on the third day, third day, that they were sore. Weren't they sore on the first day? <laughs> okay, the two of this, okay, this is important. Why is the third day spoken of as being sore? Because they'd be pretty sore 
after the operation. I don't remember. I was seven days old, but you know, eight days. I was eight days old, yeah. Sorry. Um, oh, so why is the third day? Okay, there's a preparation that is essential for this type of operation. And we can be sure the sons of Jacob didn't tell the Hivites to do this as a certain preparation. It's the antiseptic preparation. You know, that area for an uncircumcised person has the most bacteria of any external part of the body. It's just a culture house of bacteria. So it's essential, because of collection and so forth, it's essential to use a sterilant, like alcohol, to kill the microbes before you do this operation. And if that antiseptic preparation is not done, there is a huge inoculation of microbes into the body during the operation. That's what happened here. That's what happened to the Hivites. They became so severely infected because there was no antiseptic preparation that after three days, the microbes had just completely overwhelmed the immune system. So the fever is raging. I mean, think of the worst flu that you've ever had and then multiply times 10, okay? Where you can't get out of bed, much less pick up a sword to defend yourself. Easy kill. That's the reason for the timing of the third day. That's why you say to yourself, how could two guys with a sword kill a whole community of men? That's why. Because they were able to do this because there was no resistance. And that's how they were able to kill him and take Dinah out of Shechem's house. And then we read something very shameful in verse 27 through 29. This is very, very shameful. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain, spoiled the city because they defiled their sister. They took their sheep, their oxen, their asses, and that which is in the city, and that which was in the field, and all their wealth, and their older little ones, and their wives took the captive, and spoiled even all that was in the house. They ransacked. So this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable that they spoiled the city, they took the sheep and the oxen, they took the donkeys, whatever possessions they had in the house and outside the city and the fields, they took it all and everything. This is incredible. Not only did they take the wealth, they took the wives and the children. That means they put them into their captivity. I mean, in their homes, they had the wives of the husbands they murdered and the children of the fathers they murdered. So that every day, those wives and those children would have to look at the men who murdered their husbands and their fathers. That sure makes for a happy home, sweet home, doesn't it? I mean, this is, I don't want to be any more graphic about this, but just to drive this horrible situation home, just imagine that one day, one of the sons says to a captive wife, well, how are you today? How is she going to reply? How am I today? You murdered my husband. You murdered the father of my children. You murdered my sons. You want to know how I am today? You stink. That's how I am. Which is Jacob's comment in verse 30. You made me to stink among the inhabitants of the land. Now, this spoiling of all the wealth and the animals is so shameful for the Jewish people that when the Jewish people killed their enemies in the book of Esther, they were very careful to not repeat this. This was not going to happen. So in Esther 9.10, when they killed Haman and his sons, it says the ten sons of Haman, the son of Amadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid there not their hand. Other Gentiles rush in, take the stuff, that's fine. No Jew. And in Esther 9, 15 through 16, it says, for the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day, also the month of Adar, they slew 300 men of Shushan, but on the prey, they laid not their hand.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Then come celebrate Creation Day on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. This is a Christian family festival event with games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, petting zoos, animal shows, super science experiments for kids, plus life-size dinosaurs at our brand new Dinosaur Gardens exhibit, plus world-renowned speakers, Ray Comfort, Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, Jay Siegert, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements are free for your family and the entire church family. The Creation Earth History Museum is located off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. Bring your family and friends Saturday, November 5th and strengthen your faith at Creation Day, San Diego's Christian Family Festival event. For more information, call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org creationsd.org.